Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 103 this morning. Psalm 103. This is a, a psalm that David begins by telling himself to remember. He tells himself to remember and forget none of God's benefits. And so this morning, our focus is on remembering. And the older I get, the harder remembering is. I know that I am 33 years old, almost 34, but I feel like my memory is much, much older than that. There's a conversation that happens at my house pretty regularly, and it goes something like this. I'm talking to Jen, and she says, I told you that. And I say, no, you didn't. And she says, yes, I did. I told you that. I was standing right here, and we were talking about it, and you said this, and I said that. And I, oh, uh, may, yeah, I, I remember that now. I feel like, I feel like my brain is, is kind of like this cup. that It only holds so much. And when I pour more into it, Something sloshes out. And, and so I feel like every time I read a book or learn somebody else's name, somebody else's name falls out. And I, I struggle with my memory, and, and I hate to think about what it's going to be like in 30 years from now. Maybe you can pray for Jen or pray for me, something. I think that we all struggle with our memories sometimes. Uh, we all forget things every once in a while. But what I'm talking about this morning isn't so much things that we actually forget and we can't remember somebody's name, but memory in the sense of remembering the significance of something, remembering the true meaning of something. I think that none of us would ever say that we forget how much our spouse or our family or our best friend Whoever, I don't think we would ever forget how much that person means to us. But there are times that we go throughout our day and the busyness of our lives where we forget the significance of something. And so this morning, I want us to remember as David does, as the psalmist does, and reminding us of the great things of who God is. And so my aim for this morning is for our affections for God our delight in God to be stirred up by remembering the things that the psalmist reminds us of in this passage. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 103 as we begin. A psalm that it says of David as he reminds himself of what God has done. Hear, hear the word of the Lord as we discuss these first two verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. David is looking at himself and saying, My desire is for the depth of me, the core of who, of who I am, from within all that I am, to overflow in praise to God. And so he looks at himself and recognizes that he is not remembering rightly that he isn't thinking the way he should. And so he calls on himself, he reminds himself to think on the things of God. And so he says, forget none of his benefits. Now here's the thing, I don't think David 
had actually forgotten. I don't think David is looking at himself and, and saying, now what, what did God do back then? What is it that God did? Who, who is God really like? I don't think David is forgotten in, in that sense. But in the sense that he is recalling to his mind the significance of what it means to call God, God. And to remember what God has done in his life. And so I think it's imperative for us also today to think and to remember what God has done. To remember, to remind ourselves of who God is. Because what happens in our lives is that in the busyness of our lives and in the day-to-day struggles that we face, what happens is the stuff of life creeps in and takes center stage and God takes the back burner. And so there are times in our lives, times in our day, where we just have to sit down and remind ourselves who is God that we will focus our attention on him so our affections, our desire, our heart will overflow in passion for God and worship for God for who he really is. And so my aim this morning is for you to think about and to remember who God is and what he has done so that your affections, your passion, your longing, your desire for God will overflow into a worship of him. David tells us that the way this is going to happen is by us remembering. Remembering who God is and remembering what God has done. And so we're going to see three things this morning that we are to remember. First of all, if we're going to have our affection stirred up in this overflow of worship to God. First, we have to remember the God who is the source of all good. God who is the source of all good. So listen again as I read verses 1 through 2, and we're going to read through verse 5 as well. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And so David starts by telling us to remember God who is the source of all things. And and so he says, speaking to himself, self, soul, remember all of God's benefits. Now, when we say the word benefits, we, we often think of that in terms of a job, right? If you're starting a new job or looking for a job, you, you find out what the benefits are for that job. And, and usually when, you, when you're talking with a potential employer about that, they'll lay out a list. So here are the benefits that come with this job. You get two weeks paid vacation, you have 401k, you get dental plan or eye plan or health or whatever, and they lay out this list for you of what the benefits are that, you are that you're going to expect with that job. David here, when he speaks about benefits, doesn't just lay out a list. Look at what David does again in these verses. Look at verses 3 through 5 there. Is this how David handles God's benefits? Does he say, forget none of his benefits. Pardon, healing, redemption, crowning satisfying does he just simply lay out a list he does something more here look at what David does in this he says 
let me not forget any of his benefits. And so then rather than laying out a list of what God has done, he says, let me forget not any of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life? Who crowns your life? Who satisfies your years? What's he doing here? What's he doing in saying, don't forget his benefits, who does each of these things? I think what David is doing is he is reminding us that the source of the benefits is greater than the benefit itself. That the giver of what we have is greater than the gift itself. So the benefits that you and I receive from God are less than the one who actually gives those benefits. And that's a major thing, thinking about all that that David writes here. I want you to think about the things that are described as benefits that come from God. Pardon of iniquity. Sins wiped away. Gone. So that they are no longer held against your account. Healing your diseases, I think, which is tied into pardon, both saying the same thing, that that our sins are totally forgiven. Now, we don't know when this psalm was written, but what if this was written after David's sin with Bathsheba, his adultery, and then his putting Uriah to death? Think about what David is remembering here. All my sin, pardon of iniquity, he has taken care of it. This is the benefit that God has given to me. Who redeems your life from the pit. Pit's a language that refers to to death and what comes after death. And so he's saying here that after death, I know that I have something else. That I'm not going to die and just be left in death. But there is a hope, there is a life that comes after this. God has given me a hope that goes beyond this life itself. He says this is the benefit of God who crowns your life with loving kindness and compassion, this unending love and compassion and covenantal faithfulness that God has toward me. He satisfies my years. The greatest satisfaction that can ever be known, found in God himself, David writing psalms, talking about delighting in God over and over again. And here he says that God satisfies me like nothing else can. He renews my life like the eagle. This spiritual renewal that he gives. Now if we're going to think about the benefits that God gives, this is like the the cream of the top. I mean, this is is it. I mean, can we get anything better than, than these benefits that he gives right here? It's forgiveness. It's Pardon, it's satisfaction in God alone. And so if we're going to talk about goodness of benefits, this is the list right here. But David isn't satisfied with merely a list of benefits. David is satisfied in God himself. The giver of the benefits is greater than the benefit itself. Now, think about that now in context of us, this side of the cross. David was speaking about this forgiveness and God's love without the knowledge, the full knowledge that we have of 
the Messiah coming. He had glimpses of that, but now we on this side of the cross know Christ having come, Christ having lived the perfect life, and as Colossians chapter 3 says, that he nailed our debt to the cross, and so we bear it no more. It's gone. I don't have it. I bear it no more. That is the greatest benefit that we should ever have. But what does David say? Does he focus on just the benefit, or does he focus on the source of the benefit? He focuses on the source. Because greater than any benefit that we can get is the one who gives the benefit. At my, at my house, we, we don't make a big deal of, about gifts. Uh, and so if you look at our Christmas tree uh, at Christmas, it's, uh, it's, it's a little skimpy underneath. because We're just not a big gift-giving uh, kind of family. Uh, and so when Valentine's Day rolls around, our, our big thing that we do is we get a pizza and watch a movie. Uh, it's a real romantic uh, evening right there. But, uh, but this past Christmas, you know, we just had a few little things that, that we were doing for Christmas. I looked under the tree, and I, I saw there was this bigger box that was under there. And so I got a little bit excited. Because you know, normally we don't do a whole lot for Christmas. And so there's this bigger box under the tree. And so Jen makes me wait till the end to open this bigger box. Now, before I tell you what was in it, I'll tell you, I, I love coffee. And I, I have a, a slight coffee addiction and that I, I need it to get me going. I had a big cup this morning, and so I've got caffeine fueling through me. I opened up that box, and inside it was a Keurig. And, and if you don't know what a Keurig is, Keurig is a fancy coffee maker. And, and so I opened up this, this package, and there is a Keurig there. And it's not, just, it's not just the basic Keurig, but it's the nicest, top-of-the-line Keurig that you can get. And so sitting on my counter right now is this Keurig that my wife got for me. And, and so when I fixed coffee this morning and made that Keurig, when I looked at that, did that Keurig cause my affections to overflow so that I say, I'm so thankful for my Keurig. I love my Keurig and make me love the Keurig more. Or does it make me love my wife more? The answer, it better be my wife, right? Why is that? Because the giver is greater than the gift, right? The source of what I've received is greater than what I actually received itself. When we talk about the benefits that God has poured out on us, this healing, this redemption, all these things that, that David talks about, the giver is greater than those, even as good as they are. Do we realize that? Do we think in that, time, that kind of context? Because I know sometimes when we talk about salvation, we talk about salvation in terms of, of getting heaven or getting forgiveness or getting something else. But the reality is, when we are saved, when we get forgiveness, when we get heaven, those aren't the goal. Those aren't the greatest things. When we get salvation, we get God, right? That is the greatest benefit. That is the greatest thing that we can have. That is the goal, right? And so when we think about all the benefits that God has given to us, if you are a believer in here this morning, do like David and say, 
It's the one who gives these things that is greater than everything else. So think about, remember, remind yourself, brother and sister, of the one who gives what you had because he is greater than anything you have. Amen? I mean, thanks be to God that we get him above all other things. And so David reminds himself and says, think on the one, remember the one who has done this. So that's number one. Remember the one who is the source. Remember the giver. Number two, remember the work of God. Not only do we remember who God is, but we remember what God has done. Listen to verses 6 and 7. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. Now, so far, David had been thinking individually. He'd been thinking, reminding himself of what God had done in his life. Now he begins to think outwardly, corporately, in what God has done in the life of Israel as a whole. And so he goes back to a specific time in Israel's history. And notice there what he's talking about, verse 7. He's talking about Moses. And so he's remembering what God did in and through Moses in this time in Israel's history. Now there is a lot that's packed into this verse in chapter, in verse 7 here. This is the time that God called out to Moses in the burning bush, and said, you are going to lead my people out. This is the time where God sent the plagues upon Egypt. This is the time here in verse 7 where where God sent the Passover and rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt. This is the time where the people of Israel get to the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea miraculously. This is the time where God provides manna in the wilderness. This is the time where God takes his people and gives them quail so they can have meat to eat. This is the time where God gives them water out of the rock. This is the time where God meets their needs. He brings to the mountain. He gives them the law and shows himself to them, enters into a covenant with them. All this thing, all this time that God has been doing this, wrapped up right there in verse 7, these mighty deeds and acts of God. But I think David is thinking of more than just these things. Listen to what happens next. Listen to what David's thinking of in the context here. Starting at verse 8, listen listen to verses 8 through 13. Think about what is it that David is actually thinking about. Context of Israel here. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. All this history that's packed into verse 7 right there, David is thinking of more than God's just mighty deeds that he has done in the life of Israel. David is thinking about God's work of forgiving his people in the midst of their sin. All these things that are talked about in verse 7 with this showing himself to Moses. This is the time where God called out Moses to the burning bush, but instead Moses says, don't send me, I don't want to do it. 
This is the time where God does these miraculous plagues to lead the people out of, out of slavery in Egypt, and the people say, no, we don't want to go. This is the time where they get to the Red Sea, and they say, Moses, why did you take us out here? Were there not any graves in Egypt? Why don't we just die there, then right, die right here before this, this army that's coming? This is the people who go out into the wilderness and say to Moses, we don't have any food. Why, why did you bring us out here to die? We'd be better off as slaves in Egypt. This is the time where the people of, of God go out and say, well, now you've provided us this manna, but all we have to eat is manna, manna, manna. We wish we had something more. We had more when we were slaves. Then God gives them quail, and they say, you've given us quail till it's running out of our ears. It's too much. We don't want that. God gives them the covenant. And he says to them, will you be my people? I will be your God. And they say, yes, we will be your people. We will, you will be our God. We will obey all that you command. And then what do they do when Moses goes up on the mountain? They make the golden calf. This is the time where God's people are constantly turning away from him and disobeying him. And so what's David thinking of here? David's thinking about the amazing forgiveness, the loving kindness that God has given to Israel. As high as the heavens are above the earth, their sin is removed. As far as the east is from the west, their sin is removed. As a father has compassion on his children, so God has compassion on them. He did not deal with us as our sins deserve. And so David looks at how God has forgiven his people and it causes him to stand in rejoicing and saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul, think about what God has done for us. And is it any less true for me and for you right now? I want you to think for just a moment on the compassion, on the forgiveness that God has showed you if you are his. Think about your sin and how God has not dealt with us according to our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. But as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And David remembers this, and he stands in awe of God. I can remember the moments where this became true in my life. I grew up here in Somerset and grew up in, in a small church just a little bit further down the road. And I can remember being nine years old, standing at the end of a sermon during the invitation time, and, and knowing that God was doing a work in my life. And knowing at that point that God was drawing me to himself. And knowing at that point when I called out to him that my sin was totally wiped away. And I remember a time when I was 16 years old in which sin had crept into my life. And God did this amazing work of grace. And forgave me of my sin and drew me to himself and called me to serve him. And did this powerful work that can only be explained by the Holy Spirit working in my life. And I look back on those times of God's grace and God's work in my life. And, and how can I do anything else 
But remember that as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love and kindness. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed my sin from me. And what happens when we think about that? What happens when we remember and think upon and dwell upon the amazing grace and loving kindness and forgiveness that has been showed us in Christ? Is there any response that you can have other than David saying, bless the Lord, O my soul? Does that not cause our affections to be stirred and our delight in God to grow and our passion for him to overflow? So that all we can say is with David, bless the Lord. When was the last time, brother or sister, that you sat and just thought about, remembered and reminded yourself of God's total forgiveness in your life? When we do that, our hearts can do nothing less and overflow with thanksgiving and passion for our God. So, number one, we've, we've seen that we remember the God who is the source of all things. Number two, we remember the mighty deeds of God. And number three, we remember who we are. David points us to thinking about who we are. Listen to, listen to verses 14 uh, and following. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts, to do them. So here's what's so amazing about the things that we have talked about. Here's so amazing about the benefits that have been applied to us and the forgiveness that God has shown to his children. It's so amazing when we remember who we are. David tells us that we are but dust. We're like a flower of the field, a flower that's beautiful for a time. It springs up, but the scorching sun shines down on it, and over a time it dries up, and the wind blows, its petals fly off, and after a little while, you can never tell that the flower was there. That's the shortness. That's the brevity of our lives. In 1845, on December the 4th, a baby boy by the name of Benjamin was born in eastern Kentucky. He, he grew up there in, in the mountains, and when he was 16 years old, the Civil War began. Like most guys that age, he signed up to, to fight in the war. He signed up in the 49th Kentucky Volunteer Infantry for the Union. So he was about 17 years old, went off to war. Ended up going into a POW camp for in, in the Confederate territory, but he survived the war. In 1869, when he was 24 years old, he married a young lady by the name of Mary. God blessed them with 14 children. 
He died in 1936 and was buried in a little town called Shields in Harlan County here in Kentucky. Now, today there's probably only a handful of people in all the world who know who this guy is. His full name is Benjamin Franklin Gilbert. He was my great-great-grandfather. And the only reason I've ever heard that name is because my grandfather mentioning him. So that's been almost 80 years since he passed away. Just a handful of us know who he is. Within about another 75 or 100 years, there probably won't be anyone on this earth who remembers the name Benjamin Franklin Gilbert. Probably about 75 or 80 years from now, there will only be a handful of people in the world who remember who we are. Maybe 100 years from now, 200 years from now, probably most of us in this room, no one will remember our names. We're like the flower of the field. Here for a short while, and then its place acknowledges it no longer. We're but dust. Now think of that. But then think of what David says. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Infinite God of the universe looks down on me dust and has set his everlasting love upon me. And in all of eternity, there will never be a time in which God's love is not on me, even though I am dust and no one will remember my name 200 years from now. Now, how does that make it seem to us when we think that we are but dust, but our God has set his love and his affection on us and made us his own? Does that not take your heart and make you stir and say, how can you love me like this? How can you set your affection on me? What's the only response that we can have when we think about we are dust, but God has set his everlasting love on us? Is it not that we say, bless the Lord, O my soul, with all that is within me, let it bless your holy name? Is it not that from the depths of who we are, we respond by saying, God, holy, holy are you. There is none like you. Let you receive all the glory. Is it not a passion that overflows with desire for our God? You see how remembering these things changes how we respond to God. You see how it stirs up our affections. It brings us to to what David does here. He's been thinking about this the whole time, reminding himself of these things. And now, starting at verse 19, all he can can do is just point out to creation and say, let's all worship God. Listen to this. The, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His sovereignty rules over all. Look at the God. He's God. He's sovereign over everything. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength to perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Look at angels, look at God. Do you see how amazing and majestic he is? All the hosts of heaven, verse 21. Do you bless the Lord? You serve him, doing his will. Host, do you see? Do you see this God who I've been talking about? Bless the Lord, all you works of his, verse 22, and all the all the places of his dominion trees and mountains, everything. Do you see the God who I've been talking about? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. What's his only response that he can do? He's looking out at all creation and he says, everything, worship God. That's what he deserves. When we think about these things about God, we remember 
his benefits. We remember who he is. We remember how little we are. What other response is there than to stand in awe and worship of God? Let's remember. Do you remember? Do you remember the giver of the gift? Do you remember the benefits that you have received? Do you remember the totality of the forgiveness that is yours in Christ? Then let's respond with our hearts overflowing with praise to our God. Let's pray. Father, we are amazed. We stand in awe of you, God. We stand in awe of the one who died and gave it all that we might know you. Greatest benefit that we could ever know is knowing you, God. We stand in awe of you knowing that you have forgiven us. We stand in awe of you knowing that we are dust. You see how little I am. You see my sinful heart. You see my nature. And yet you have set your love on me. God, help us to think about these things. Help us to remember. Help us to dwell on that. God, in times that we, we look out and we, we get so captivated by the busyness of our lives and the things going on day to day and, and the, just the stuff of life, stop us and focus us on you that our hearts may be set on you and on your glory. God, in this time that we have remaining this morning, may we overflow, may our affections be stirred to a passionate worship for you. It's in the name of Christ we ask this. Amen.